Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Amen. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, Landon and Ella for the singing and the playing. Always enjoy good music, and I love those songs. Open your Bible, if you would, this morning uh, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read a little bit different section than what Mark read. I had a long section of Scripture, so I told Mark, I said, you have you read the first section, and then I will read the rest, because I want to bring you a message, a happy Father's Day message, but it's a, it's a challenge to our men, but at the same time, ladies, please don't tune out, because this is for all believers, and I'm using a passage that is given for all that are followers of Christ here in chapter 4, and I'm using this because it gives a wonderful example to follow. And so therefore, I would like, if you would, as we've been doing, hold your Bible up this morning over your head and lift it up. Won't make you stand. We have already done that, but I'm going to lift it up. And this is the Word of God. I will read it. I will believe it. And I will obey it by the grace of God. I pray that we are reading it. I pray that we are believing it. I pray that we are obeying it by the grace of God. But this much I do know in my life and in yours, this is God's Word. And it's so desperate that we need it. And I want you to see this message this morning, a different kind of dad. A different kind of dad. I'm calling us to be different kinds of fathers, different kinds of of mentors, different kinds of grandfathers, different kinds of men. But again, ladies, understand that I'm only I'm putting that on the men because we need to remind men to be men and to be the fathers and the leaders and the mentors that we ought to be. And for those young men in here, they would, would be godly mentors to friends, to siblings, to others. But also one day, if God willing, they should be a father, they would also be godly fathers. And if God does not give you children, that does not take away the call for you to be a godly example. And we certainly see an example here in Ephesians chapter 4. So I'm going to begin reading in verse 21. If so be ye have heard him. This is talking about really, let me go back to verse 20. You have not so learned Christ. In other words, these things you didn't learn from him, but if so be that you've heard of him and you've been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former conversation, that former lifestyle of the old man, the old nature, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in your mind be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that ye put on the new man after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. 
Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. And let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us today to understand this call, not just to the men, not just to fathers. Oh, but how desperately we need godly fathers that will be good examples, good mentors, good leaders in this nation, in this world in which we live. But God, I pray that you would help us all to be followers of you and that we would all look to you as our example and that we would all strive to be what you've called us to be. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, in Scripture, and I've referenced this before, but I want to reference it again. I've used this, uh, this illustration, I guess, on other Father's Day messages, but I want you to understand that as we look in Scripture, we find all kinds or several kinds or several names of it that are examples of godly mothers. And I thank God for godly mothers. I thank God for godly women. And for those that want to look in the scripture, and there's some in the world that want to say, well, well the, the Bible or this Christian religion or those who follow the Bible are somehow prejudiced against women. I read my Bible and I see the exact opposite. I see how high women are lifted up and the godly examples that God has given in mothers, in women, in the Bible. And the lack thereof of men. I realize that God uses godly men in the Bible as well, but for the father figures, we just don't see really any. I can look and I can point to you to Sarah, the mother of, of Isaac, is, is far, again, Abraham and Sarah, but Sarah, a godly woman, you say, well, she laughed when God talked about how they were going to have children, that she was going to have a son in her old age. But if you go to Hebrews, it talks about the fact that by faith she had a child. And talks about her being on, in, the, in the roll call of faith is Sarah. And so therefore she was a godly mother believing God's promises. And we also see Jochebed, the mother of Moses, and how in a time when the, the Hebrews, the nation of Israel, was slaves in Egypt, and Pharaoh had commanded all the male children to be cast into the Nile River and destroyed, here she was protecting Moses from Pharaoh, and then had a chance to teach him about the God of the Hebrews before he went to go and live with the house of Pharaoh. Of course, in our Sunday school lesson this morning, we talked about Samuel, and we would be remiss if we didn't mention Hannah, that mother who prayed and cried and wept to have a child and then kept her promise of giving that child back to the service of the Lord. We could go to the New Testament. We could talk about Eunice and Lois, which was Timothy's mother and grandmother, and how Paul 
just account or gave them accommodation or gave them high praise for the fact that they had taught Timothy from a young age of God's word and God's promises. We can certainly look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how she was favored and selected by God. There's all kinds of godly mother examples in the Bible. But when we go through and we read, we find virtually no good father as far as an example held up as being a wonderful father. You know, we can look at David, and David was a failure as a father in many ways. We can look at Solomon. Solomon was a, the wisest man in all the, all the world, and he was a failure as a father in many ways. We could go through one by one, and we could see, oh, there might be a good example here, but really they failed in so many ways. And I think the reason of that is, is because God says, all right, here's some godly mothers, but if you want a godly father, look to me. In fact, that's where I get in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And so, men, we don't need to look any farther than the example of God as our heavenly Father for the kind of man, the kind of leader, the kind of mentor, the kind of example that we ought to be. And again, it applies to all of us, but this morning I want to direct it towards those men this morning. I also want you to see the reason I got my message, a different kind of dad, is where Mark first started out reading, and it says, This I say, therefore, in verse 17, and testify the Lord, that henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. And the reason I say a different kind of dad is because Christian dads, godly dads, don't walk, don't live your life don't be a dad as other non-believing dads are. There, it doesn't mean that a dad that's not a Christian can't be a there for their children or can't be a good example for their children, but certainly not when we look at Scripture, a person who's not a believer can't be a godly example. And so therefore, we're to live different lives, lead a different example than just your ordinary dad. And so therefore, a different kind of father, a different kind of of dad is what we see. And so I want to give you a very simple message this morning. I don't want to, I'm not going to spend a lot of time breaking down each verse. I just want to point to you two major points. What we are to be, we are to be a different kind of people for all of us. We're a different kind of dad. And then I want you to see number two, how we are to be the followers of God. The followers of God is how we are to be that different kind of people, that different kind of dad. So I want you to follow along with me, if you would, in verse 17 and following, reading down, and really verse 17 down through verse 23, we find what we are to be, different kind of people. And number one, the first thing we need to see is that dads, Christians, if we're going to be different, we've got to grow up. We've got to grow up. We live, you know, we live in a world today, and I'm amazed by this. And again, I'm going to keep referring to men, but it's all people. And I'm just going to say this, that men today don't want to grow up. Don't want to take the responsibility of being a father. Don't want to take the responsibility of being a leader. Don't want to take the responsibility of being adult. We live in a world today where it seems people want to play their entire lives. And I don't mean just not work. I mean they still 
want to maintain a certain level of immaturity. And by that, I don't simply mean just being silly or being goofy or goofing around. I mean the fact that they just don't want to be seen as leaders. They don't want to see be seen as mentors. They live a lifestyle that is no different than the lifestyle they lived before they were saved or no different than the lifestyle of a non-Christian. We've got to grow up. Verse 18 don't, verse 17 says, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. In other words, meaninglessness or thinking that you're something when you're not. But it goes on and it says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance. Paul, in writing Ephesians, isn't pulling any punches here. He's not dancing, dancing around the issue or tiptoeing around the issue. He's talking to all, all people, all believers. But again, as dads, there's so many times that we just want to be ignorant of some things and ignorant of what a Christian life is to be. It's because of the blindness of their heart was the reason why. And we're not to be that way. We've got to grow up in Christ. When Jesus Christ saved you, he didn't just leave you there and then just say, okay, now you're good, but grow up. And it's a process of God growing us. But there are some people today that refuse to be grown or refuse to be matured or refuse to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. I, I, I watch, and I've even watched, and, and again, I have to be careful because there's times that I'm as guilty as anybody because my wife will tell again, it's a good point my wife makes. There's times that we get to the beach, for example, and she'll ask me where the kids are at, and I don't know because I'm out there doing my thing. And I laugh about that, and it could have been a dangerous thing at times, but my point is this. There are people that grow up and they live their whole life that way, not just when they're at the beach as far as I'm out riding the waves and I'm out doing my thing or I'm digging my own sandcastle. They want to do that their entire life. And so therefore, they shirk the responsibilities of being that example, being that man that their children, their sons, their daughters can come to because they want to live their life. And if we're going to be the godly examples in a different kind of dad, we've got to grow up who being, verse 19, being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness, to work all uncleanness and greediness. And there's people, and even people in the church, dads, and not just dads, but again, we're focusing on that today, but people that just don't want to let their life be changed by God. And I can go to church, and I can be religious, and I can have all these things in life that I want to have too. And I can go out and I can party and I can go out and I can drink or I can go out and live it up or I can go out and focus on myself or I can focus on my dreams. And God has called us to grow up into something different. And so therefore we need to grow up. And number two, we need to show up. Because when you grow up, you realize that, listen, there is more to life than just my own interests. When God has given you children or God has given you a calling to be a Christian or to be a dad or to be a mentor or to be a friend, that it's more than just what you want to do. Now, again, God changes your wants, and, and let's not get away from that, but I'm simply saying it's different than before you were saved. 
And as you grow up, the things that you need to learn to do are different than what you did when you were a child. I know that my my own kids, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I've, I've heard this several times this summer. It's summer. We're not supposed to do anything. Well, take a break from school, yes, but there's still things that you've got to do. Still have to clean your room. Still have to, uh, you know, take a bath. Still have to cut your hair. Still have to do certain responsibilities. But your responsibilities as a child are far less, and you do childish things or young people things, and then you grow up and you have to join, as I often say, the real world, and suddenly there's bills, and suddenly there's others that you have to consider. That's the growing up. But then we have to show up. And because we refuse to grow up, so many times there's kids, boys and girls, that are growing up without that mentor, without that example that ought to be before them. And I'm talking about in the church. In Christianity, and again, I don't expect non-believers to act like Christians, and so I'm talking to us, that we, talking to me, that we've got to show up and be there for our families because we've grown up and realized I've got a wife or I've got, a, I've, I've got these other responsibilities that I've got to attend to, and in being a father or being an example is I've got others to consider besides just myself. Show up. Oh, how desperately our children need dads that will show up and be there in their lives, that will be there for children that aren't your dad or aren't your children. Examples that are looking to you, examples that need someone to follow. And then I'm going to use, and my daughter's going to chew me out for saying this one, but I'm trying to follow my alliteration. We've got to grow up. We've got to show up. We've got to glow up. That's right. We've got to glow up. You say, glow up? What is that? There's this word now that's being used by these kids. For us that are old, I sound like an old person when I say this. And they say, I've got to glow up. And you say, well, what does glow up mean? I, I've, I've, I've studied this a little bit, and I've looked at it. I'm going to give you the slang urban definition. Glow up is a slang term used to describe a significant transformation. Typically in physical appearance, but not specifically to that, uh, it's perceived as improvement. It's the process of turning yourself into the best version of yourself or a better version of yourself with confidence. Christian men, we've got to certainly grow up and show up and glow up, be the very best us that we can be, the very best you that we can be, that you can be, letting God transform you. Not so much your physical appearance in this context, but working in your life to be the very best you that you can be. Christian, let God transform you into being the very best you that you can be in Christ. Glow up. That we set the example for those that are watching us, for those that are listening to us. And again, I'll use the the, the, the illustration that so many times you think people aren't listening, but that little voice that was in the back of my car that was running 100 miles an hour talking to somebody else, but then all of a sudden when I said something, the ears perked up and they chimed in, had no idea they were listening to me. But they were. 
And there are people that are watching and listening to what you do. And they're going to look and listen. They look at you and they think the world of you. Or they look at you and they say, well, that's a Christian. I want to see what he does or what he's going to do. And they model that or they take note of that. Oh, my friends, we've got to be different kind of people. How do we do that? It says putting off concerning the former conversation. That word conversation is your putting off the old lifestyle, the old nature, the old ways before you were a Christian. Put those things off and be renewed in your mind, putting on the new nature, the new man, verse 24, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so therefore, grow up and show up and glow up. And then how do we do that? We become followers of God as dear children. I think the key is this. As men, we sometimes think, well, I'm the man. I'm the leader. I'm the example. And yes, you are to be, but you have an example to follow. And the best way to follow that is God says, I'm the example that you are to follow. I'm the example of a godly father. I'm the example of a godly leader. And so therefore, mimic what I'm doing. Follow me as dear children. What do dear children do? They follow and they mimic what that father is doing, what that leader is doing. I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again. We had ducks as a, as, when I was, uh, before I got married. Me and my brother lived together for year and a half or so, two years, and we had, he brought home baby ducks that he claims somebody gave to him because that person saw that the mother duck had been hit by a car, and so they gathered them up in a box, and somehow he got them, and he brought them home. Little baby ducklings, cute little things. Little tiny ducklings. I'm convinced he probably ran over the mother himself by accident and felt bad and gathered up the babies and brought them home. But either way, we ended up with baby ducks, eight of them, at our house. And we would set them loose in the house. And you would watch the leader of those ducks, the baby ducks. There was one that was the alpha male or whatever. I don't know if it was a boy or girl. I don't know how you're telling a duck. But anyway, that was that male baby duck was leading the others, and if he saw a speck of lint or a crumb or a piece of pizza crust on the floor, he would pick, peck at it and pick it up, and then he'd drop it. And then each one would come by, and they'd peck at it and pick it up and drop it. They'd see a mark on the door, and that d- duck would hop up there and peck at it and then move on, and each one would come up and peck that, and they would mimic that of the leader. And that's what we are to be doing. There would be things in the floor. It would hop over the piece of clothes or it would hop over the vacuum uh, cord that was in the floor. Whatever it was, and each one would parrot or mimic or repeat the actions of the leader. And that's what we are to be doing with our God, our Father, is we are to mimic as young children following Him. Well, how do we do that? Well, we become renewed in our mind. We're changed, and he's changing us. But what does that look like? That's the number two. That's the how. How to be followers of God. It gives us this example. And I'm just going to be real straightforward and real simple with this. He says, number one, number 25, wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, 
for we are members one with another. Number one, men, we've got to be honest. We've got to be honest. Men tend to, and I, I'm as guilty as anybody, and I'm not talking about the fact when you're telling a story and you're trying to be funny or whatever, and you're, as long as people understand, and most people understand when I tell a story and I make it a little bit more dramatic, and they'll say, well, is that true? No, it's not true. That the, the basic core of the story is true, but not every little, I make it a little bigger than what it was supposed to be. But listen, we've got to be honest with our children, honest with ourselves, honest with others. I think it's important that we, when we realize we've messed up, dads, when we realize we've messed up, Christian, that we confess that and admit that. I goofed up. I messed up. There's been plenty of times, and I'm not saying look at me. I'm just simply saying because I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a great example, but there's been plenty of times I've gone to my children and said, I'm sorry, I said I was going to do this and I didn't, or I, I said this in a way that I shouldn't have said it, whatever it is. And we've got to be honest with ourselves and honest with others and honest with God and let God be honest with us and receive that and re mimic that back. And be God is always honest and God is always truthful and therefore be honest. Be honest. My dad used to try to teach me, and my dad, I, I don't know that my dad has ever lied in his entire life. Now, I say that, I was just talking with Sammy. Again, I understand on this Father's Day, I look at my dad, or I was talking to uh, Freddie, actually, and we were talking about songs, Christian songs or country songs that were, country artists were singing some Christian songs about, and he's talking about how they got emotional. Him and his dad were listening to that. I'm not trying to embarrass Freddie. I'm simply on the same way, but there's a song that comes on, and it's a country song, but it, I thought that my dad, I, I, I thought that my father walked on water, and that's the way I look at my dad, and my dad taught me as a, from a young age, that the most important thing to do, and I didn't always follow this, I promise, I was not a good follower of this, but was to be honest his character, his integrity. When my dad said something, you knew that was the absolute truth. And he would teach me or tried to teach me that honesty is not just a good policy for a Christian. It's the only policy for a Christian. And my dad was a picture of that honesty. And oh, how we need to be honest with people, even when it hurts sometimes, even when it's not easy to tell, even when it's not easy to hear, we need to be honest. We can do so in love and have to do so in love, but be honest. Number two, be righteous. Be righteous. You say, well, what do you mean righteous? Perfect? No. Be godly. Righteous. Follow his example. He said, well, where do you see that? Well, I see in verse 26, be righteous in your speech, in your words that come out of your mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, encouraging, building up, that it may minister grace unto hearers. Oh, that our speech would be righteous. Our speech would be godly. The way we talk would be different than that of the rest of the world, men. Somehow we've gotten the idea that telling foul jokes or using coarse, foul words somehow makes us 
manlier or tougher or more burly or something. It doesn't. It just doesn't. But not only that, but it makes us sound ignorant. But not only that, it makes us sound ungodly. Whether you're godly or not, the words that come out of your mouth, they come out of your heart. And you say, well, it's just words. No, I'm telling you right here it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Our words ought to be righteous. Our life ought to be righteous. Our example that we're leaving ought to be righteous. Let me back up one step because I think I skipped over one and I did. I wrote that down, but verse 26, be angry and sin not. This is also part of being righteous, but I kind of skipped over down to verse 29. Let me back up a little bit. Verse 26, be angry and sin not. Be righteous in our wrath. Be righteous in our wrath. It doesn't say don't get angry. In other words, guys, we I'm an emotional person. I like to joke about how I'm not, but y'all know the truth that I am emotional. Y'all have seen me. If if you've known me any period of time, you know that I can cry at the drop of a hat. And if you've been around me in my house uh, for very long, you know that I can blow my top at the drop of a hat at times. My kids tell stories about that, too. If you want to listen to them, they'll tell you. They know the truth. There's sometimes things that you think are hidden from people, but your children, men, your children, parents, they see it. The joke goes around my family, don't wake up daddy when he's sleeping because he wakes up cranky. I won't tell that story right now, but I'm just saying there's times that I've blown my top and times that I've lost it. It doesn't say don't get angry. It just says, listen, be angry and sin not. There's things, now being woken up and getting angry, that not one of them, that's, that would be being angry and sinning because I tend to yell a little bit. But there's things we ought to get angry over. Sin. We ought to be... Angry over sin. That doesn't mean angry towards people, but we ought to be angry towards actions. We ought not to like it. We ought to get upset when we sin. We ought to be upset when we see sin. It ought to upset us because it upsets our Father. So therefore, we ought to be righteous. We also ought to be sedulous. You say, well, that's a new word. I like to make up new words. That's not a made-up word, by the way. That's a real word. But it goes along with my alliteration here. If you're following along, preachers sometimes like to be righteous, sedulous, gracious. We're going to get to that in a minute. But sedulous, it means showing dedication and diligence. Very quickly, because I don't want to run out of time, but go on down and look where it says, let him that steal, or that stole, steal no more, but let him labor, working with his hands, thing which is good that me that he may have to give to him that needeth. The word sedulous means showing dedication or diligence, faithfulness. The person ought not to be lazy. The person ought not to be a thief. And sometimes when we're lazy, that leads to us being a thief. But it ought to be diligent in working, to be sedulous. 
I'll go back to the example that God gave me of a godly man, and that was my father. And not only was he the most honest man I've ever known, he probably was the most sedulous man I ever knew. He was the hardest working man of iron, wiry hands. My dad's a little guy. You've seen my dad. My dad, he's gotten older and he's shrunk, but also he was never a big man. That's why I'm not a big guy. But my dad had hands like iron. My dad had hands that were hardened by the work that he would do. My dad could out, he told stories, but it wasn't just stories that he told. It was stories that others told about how he would outwork men that were half his age. And as we lead an example, men, Christian We ought never to be accused of stealing or to be lazy, but the fact that we would be hardworking in life. That would be righteous in our communication, but also gracious in our communication. So honest and righteous and sedulous and gracious in our communication. Gracious in the fact that not only do we not let corrupt communication come out of our mouth, but the words that come out of our mouth are used by God for good. I love people that have been an encourager to me. I love people in this church that have been encouragers to others. I'm, I'm not you. Well, if you don't know who you are, I'll tell you afterwards. I'm not going to try and embarrass anybody now. But there are certain ones, and they are constantly encouraging, constantly trying to encourage others. And oh, how men we need to be encouragers. If we go over to Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about children obeying their parents, but parents, and talking about fathers in particular, not inciting your children to, to wrath. In other words, that we're gracious in building them up and encouraging them and not just getting upset with them when they fall and they fail as they will or, or as, as friends will or others will, but that we want an example of God and build them up and say, come on. You can do this. You can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. You can do it. It's possible. Listen, God will give you the strength for whatever he's called you to do, and he's called you to be an example, and he's called you to be a leader, and he's called you to be a father or a mentor, and I'm telling you that we ought to use our words to minister grace unto people. The last one I'm going to give you is to be courageous. Courageous because it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Verse 30. Whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. You say, well, where do you get courageous from that? Well, t- grieving the Holy Spirit was not doing what the, what the will of God was. That's what it's talking about. Don't resist the will of God, but be courageous and be used in the will of God. Be used to serve others. Be used as an example. Be used as a mentor. Be used as someone that people look to and say, that's what I need to be like. But then as you're being courageous, you're looking, you're saying, no, 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 don't follow me. Follow God. That's who I'm following. Oh, how we need fathers that will do such a thing. And then being courageous in this, it's not easy to let bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor 
and evil speaking be put away from you. That's not easy to do. It takes courage because, listen, there's times when someone does me wrong that I want to do them wrong back or I want to say hateful words back or I want to be mean-spirited back. There's times that there's a, there's a world that lives opposite of the way that God is teaching us to live and desires us for, for us to live, and we want to point our finger and shake our fist and say, y'all aren't doing right, and they're not, but they can't help it because they don't know God. And we need to be bite our tongues and swallow our pride and make sure that our words are not evil but are ministering grace and being kind one to another, tender-hearted. That's it's not easy for me. I'm tender-hearted, but it's talking about being tender-hearted towards others. I'm tender-hearted towards some things, and some things I can become awful calloused about. And so therefore, I'm as guilty as anybody else in this, and this is a challenge to me, especially being a dad and having children that live, not, listen, children that are alive, but children that still live in my home. But it also takes courage to keep being a dad even when your children are grown or even when your children resist or even when your children stray away from the path that you've tried to teach them. Or maybe you look and you say, well, I haven't been a good example in doing that. Listen, again, like I told mothers on Mother's Day, it's not too late. But it takes courage to step up and say, listen, to your children, I've done wrong, or I was mistaken, or I haven't always done a good job, and I failed in a lot of ways, but I love you, and I want to be a good example. It's not easy to forgive in a world that is so unforgiving, but God has forgiven you for Christ's sake, and therefore we can forgive just as God has forgiven us. And we can become men, swallow our pride, swallow our arrogance, swallow the macho, if you will, and become like little children. Become like little children that will look to God, the Father is the example, and say, that's what I want to be like, and I want to imitate him. And it's not about people following me or people necessarily saying, oh, look at him, but that we would say, oh, look at God. He's why I do what I do, and I do what I do because that's what he's done. And Christian, that's the call for all of us. We look around and we see on Father's Day, there's not as many as come as on Mother's Day. I'm glad for you that are here. And I think part of it's because mothers have been so instrumental in the raising of the children and bringing them to church and make sure they're there. And so many dads say, well, that's your job. No, men, it's our job. It's our job. And I pray that we would grow up. I pray that I would show up. I pray that I would glow up. And I would be like a little child and teach my children to be the same.
in following God. Oh, won't we pray for fathers? Men, won't you pray that God would use you? Listen, young men that are in this room, and I'm talking about the young guys that aren't yet dads yet, aren't married yet, whatever the case may be, that you would be one day, the, 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 now you can be the example, now you can be a mentor, but one day God might use you to be a godly father and that you would point to your heavenly father as my dad pointed to his heavenly father. Oh, God gives us earthly examples. But my dad never said, look at me. He always said, look at God. And when I look at my dad, I see a picture of God. I don't mean that in a irreverent way. I don't mean that in a sacrilegious way. But my dad has let me see the Father in him. That takes courage. My Father has let me see Christ in him. Christian, that you would let God let people see God in you, see Christ in you by growing up and showing up and glowing up, honest and righteous and sedulous and gracious and courageous. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us to see the need for godly men. We look around and we see a absence, a lack of godly examples, and Father, for all of us, that we would be the examples that you've called us to be. But on this, this Father's Day, that we would be reminded that we so desperately need godly men. Godly men in the home, godly men in their marriages, godly men in church, godly men in the world. Help us. Forgive us where we fail. Thank you always for your love and for the grace that you provide. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.